The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and host of the Rumlings Q&A. We're here to take your questions this week on the 2019 NFL draft picks that the Buffalo Bills were able to select last week. And boy, was it an intriguing weekend. We thought that Brandon Bean might trade up. We thought that Brandon Bean might trade down. We thought he might stay put and uh, take a big swing depending on how the draft fell. And uh, we got all of that, I guess, uh, except for the trade down. We didn't get any trade downs. I know you're shocked, but (laughs) we're going to tackle all of it today on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, you can call in at 716-508-0405 and leave your questions for next week's episode or the week after that or the week after that. We're kind of in a dead period now uh, before training camp starts, so We'll have lots of time to answer your questions, even if uh, you ask them today. We might answer them next week or the week after that. So leave your questions for us at 716-508-0405. You can tweet at us at Rumblings Q&A. Send us a message on Facebook, uh, Instagram. You can send us an email using Rumblings at sbnation.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can leave questions in the comments section on our show notes piece every week when our podcast posts on Wednesdays at buffalorumblings.com. So there's lots of ways to get in touch with the show uh, as we try to figure out what's going to happen on the offensive line, in the running back room, and of course all over the rest of the team. If you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's Breaking Buffalo Rumblings episodes where Anthony Marino breaks down all the Bills picks from the 2019 NFL Draft. Let's get to your questions. This week's question I'm getting a lot has to do with Buffalo Bills offensive line and specifically Cody Ford. Cody Ford is a guy that played guard and tackle at Oklahoma. So where is he going to slot in with the Bills? And of course, what does that mean for a chain reaction down the line? The Bills listed Ford at right tackle when they announced the pick. Brandon Bean said it on Friday night and again on Saturday that Ford was going to start at tackle but had the versatility to move inside to guard. That's something that the Bills have valued all offseason really is the ability for guys to move to multiple positions. Outside of Mitch Morse 
every guy that they signed on the offensive line has played multiple positions, whether it's left tackle and right tackle, whether it's tackle and guard, whether it's both guard spots, whether it's guard and center. Everybody that they've signed has played multiple positions on the offensive line. And so it's no surprise that they targeted Ford for a trade back up into the end of the first round or where they eventually landed him at the start of the second round. Um, Ford is a guy that just it felt like he was going to appeal to them. That's why we did a full write-up of him on buffalorumlings.com. We talked to college bloggers that covered him in Oklahoma. We had draft analysts give their take on him. And we did all this in front of the draft. We talked about scheme fit for him. We actually projected him as a guard with the Bills in our scheme fit article. Uh, and then we looked at his uh, film from Oklahoma as well. So a lot of information on Cody Ford available at our website. But moving forward, uh, if he's going to be the right tackle, they're not playing, paying Ty Inseki to do nothing. They're, I mean, they're paying him $7 million to be the swing tackle. I just don't see that. Um, I think that they did so much work on offensive tackles, not because they were worried about right tackle, but because they were worried about Deion Dawkins. And I know that Brandon Bean has come out in the last few days and said that Dawkins is going to be their starting left tackle when they open the offseason program and everything like that. But all offseason, they've had the chance to give Dawkins the you know, the benefit of the doubt or you know that vote of confidence, and they have not done that. They invested heavily in researching the offensive tackles. I just, I think if, if they had had the opportunity to draft a left tackle, they would have done that. And if they think Deion Dawkins is best suited long-term to be their starting left guard for the next eight years, I think they should move him there now and put Ty Insecki at left tackle. And that's kind of been a controversial topic at Buffalo Rumblings in the last few days. Insecki is a very good left tackle. And he's played very well at left tackle over the course of his career, especially recently with Washington. If they want to put Ty Inseki at left tackle, move Dawkins to left guard where they can develop him for the long term, not just for one year you know, at left tackle because they don't want to put a 33-year-old over there. I think that's the best option long term. Then he and Mitch Morris can start to develop some chemistry on the left side of that line. And then they can focus on getting a long-term left tackle next offseason. That allows Ford to play at right tackle, and then whoever wins the right guard competition between all the guys that they have, Spencer Long, John Feliciano, uh, maybe even a guy like uh, Quentin Spain or something like that, all those guys can duke it out for that right tackle slot, and uh, you can keep Dawkins at left guard. Then you have Adrian Waddle, who can be the swing tackle behind them, and even in dire straits, you could pop Dawkins back out to left tackle if you really had to. So I just I don't see a whole lot of downside if you think Dawkins is going to be your long-term left guard. If you think that Dawkins is going to be your long-term left tackle, then obviously Inseki is going to be your backup tackle that can swing both ways. And then you know maybe Ford learns a little bit on the job at, at right guard, or maybe he learns just a little bit as the backup right tackle from Inseki for this year. I, I don't think that would harm anybody or, or anybody's feelings or anything like that. So I still think if you want Dawkins to be the long-term left guard, you move him inside as soon as you can so he can be paired with Mitch Morris right from the get-go. It doesn't look like the Bills are going to do that, at least to open the offseason. They're going to give Dawkins a chance to return to the form that he had in his rookie year, but he was not great in 2018. So this whole offensive line thing is definitely going to be the 
the biggest thing to watch all offseason. People are focusing on the the running back position because they have four guys and you know they might be focusing on the wide receiver position because it's so wide open. But the offensive line and how it all shakes out is really going to be intriguing because there's just not very much contact that the Bills can do throughout the offseason because of the rules. And so it's going to come down to training camp and so it's going to be really late by the time these guys actually get settled into their position. So they might not gel until halfway through the season or if they even ever gel. So it's uh, definitely going to be the intriguing storyline of the offseason is, is what is going on on the offensive line. And I'm here for it. I'm definitely uh, going to be watching the offensive line, which is not a place where a lot of us usually are, are focused, are, have our attention focused. But the Bills made a heavy investment this offseason because of their uh, second year quarterback getting pounded last year as a rookie and the bills have set themselves up for you know a, a solid running game a good passing attack to give Allen, you know the ability to look downfield and, and find his targets and, and hit them whether it's on those long passes that he loves or on short and intermediate routes and you know they've they've invested heavily in time invested heavily in, in numbers and it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out on the buffalo bills offensive line and that's the question I'm getting a lot this week. We're going to go to Facebook for a trio of questions on the running back position for the Buffalo Bills following the selection in the third round of Devin Singletary, the running back from Florida Atlantic University. It's created a lot of uncertainty around the position because the Bills have really four players that they're going to try and get snaps in the preseason, but it's highly unlikely they're going to keep four of them going into the regular season. So uh, Rob Rigoletto asks, how many of a, how much of a wasted draft pick was Devin Singletary? I don't think he was a wasted draft pick at all. You've got a 36-year-old running back in Frank Gore. You've got a 31-year-old running back in LaShawn McCoy. You've got an unsigned or an unproven guy that you just signed in TJ Yeldon. And the longest contract of all of them is Yeldon's two-year deal. So the Bills needed to get younger at running back for sure. They needed to get a longer-term answer at running back. And Singletary provides that for them. You can argue that they shouldn't have picked a guy in the third round and should have waited till the fourth or fifth round or something like that to get a guy. But I mean, that's obviously an opinion. They needed to draft a running back one way or the other. And we've been saying that really all off season. Um, maybe when they signed Yeldon, you thought to yourself, well, he's going to be their younger guy that maybe they're building for toward the future. But you know, he's had four years in the NFL. He, we pretty much know what he's going to be. So it's a, uh, it wasn't surprising at all when they drafted a running back, and I do not think he is a wasted pick, Rob Rigoletto. Uh, Thomas Bartz asks, who will be the real starting running back, backup, and third string in September? It's interesting that you didn't list fourth string, too, because we have really four guys that could carry a significant load for the Bills this this season uh, on the roster. There's LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, T.A. Yeldon, and... Devin Singletary. I don't think there's any way they're getting rid of Singletary. Uh, so let's look at the rest of the guys. They owe Yeldon $500,000 in guaranteed money. Oh, wait. No, they already paid it to him. So they, they don't owe Yeldon any more money, not a single cent. And his cap hit, if he was released, would only be $500,000, which they paid him in signing bonus. Gore, 
they don't really owe him a whole lot of money either, but they like him in the locker room, and he was one of their first free agent signings. And, of course, Shady, Brandon Bean came out after the draft and said LaShawn McCoy was going to be their starting running back going into the offseason program. I don't – it's hard for me to – it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. They're really doing that just because Shady is so uh, so much of a diva. He you know, wouldn't be able to tolerate the fact that he would have to fight for his job, and that kind of annoys the crap out of me. They said that everybody else on the roster has to earn their spot, except for LaShawn McCoy. So that's kind of an aside. Um, you know, LaShawn McCoy does have a nice relationship with Josh Allen, at least seemingly does. He uh, has pumped up the kid on social media, on the field, all over the place. So I like that, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to keep LaShawn McCoy around. I think there's a definite possibility that LaShawn McCoy is released by this team or traded at some point. Um, but, and that's by the way, Peter Kitson asked, how likely is it that Shady gets traded? And they all kind of run together. So that's why we're answering them all three together. I think it makes a lot more sense for Shady to get traded in a player-for-player deal where those acquire a defensive end or some something like that, and LaShawn McCoy gets traded instead of being traded for picks. We'd been talking about trading LaShawn McCoy you know, for six months, eight months, a year, two years, depending on your perspective, and I just don't think he's a lot of value right now. Uh, you know, Are you going to trade LaShawn McCoy for a six-round pick? Probably not. Not with that salary anyway. So... I can I can imagine it being a player for player trade, but that's the only way I see LaShawn McCoy getting traded. So that brings us back to Thomas's original question of who will be the real starting running back back up in third string in September. I, I'm not going to look at it that way. I think right now LaShawn McCoy is going to be the first guy on the field to get the first snap, um, and then Frank Gore will come in for a second second down, and T.J. Elden comes in for third down, um, or Singletary comes in for second down. You know. I, they're going to be rotating players in and out. It's not necessarily going to be first string, second string, and third string. I think they're all get, whoever the three running backs shake out to be. They're going to get you know a pretty f- even number of snaps going into into the week one season opener. The, all of them are going to play. All of them are going to get snaps. You saw Lashawn McCoy's snap numbers go down last year. I just think you can see how they're going to be building for the future and trying to keep a 36-year-old and a 31-year-old running back fresh by divvying up all of the all the snaps. So the real answer to the question is I don't think there's going to be a first string, second string, and uh, third string. I think it's just going to be a three-headed monster where they rotate through and give it to the hot hand, and that's probably going to piss off LaShawn McCoy. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets traded or released as the offseason wears on especially if he starts to voice that frustration publicly. You know, he was named a team captain last year. And if that starts to happen where he's publicly doing it on social media, like he did earlier this offseason with the offensive line, or even in just in the locker room, you know, the Bills aren't going to put up with that crap for a 31-year-old running back who they don't really need on their roster anymore. So I can definitely see them jettisoning, jettisoning LaShawn McCoy this offseason. Thanks for the questions, Thomas, Peter, and Rob. They all asked us a question on our Buffalo Rumblings Facebook page, facebook.com slash Buffalo Rumblings, all one word. Thanks again. We'll be right back after this quick break.
We're going to keep going back to the Facebook well this week. All of our questions are coming from that social media platform. Uh, James Miller says, do they plan on getting any defensive end help? Well, the Buffalo Bills did draft uh, a player late in the 2019 NFL draft who projects as a defensive end for them. Daryl Johnson Jr. is a guy, not from a big college program, but they think he's going to be able to kind of fill out his frame in the nutrition program. And uh, he could have a chance at the back end of the roster or as a practice squad guy. But I know that's probably not what you're asking about. Uh, they are still in on Ziggy Ansah, as Brandon Bean said, on I think it was WGR on Monday after the draft. Uh, Ansah is visiting the Seattle Seahawks right now. And, I mean, who knows, by the time this podcast publishes, he could be signed in Seattle and making it a moot point. But the Bills are obviously still interested in adding some defensive end help. They could look to free agency. I don't know if there's a guy out there that would kind of come in and, and be – head and shoulders above the second tier of Bill's defensive ends where you're talking about like, you know, Shaq, not Shaq Lawson, but behind Shaq Lawson, behind Trent Murphy, behind Jerry Hughes, but kind of ahead of Mike Love or Eddie Yarbrough or, or something like that. I mean, there are guys out there that could do that, but I don't know how much you're actually counting on that guy to be, you know, this past rush presence if they can't land Ansa. Uh, I do think defensive end is going to be at the top of their list for the 2020 NFL draft. They do have Lawson's contract expiring and Hughes' contract expiring right now, uh, a year from now. So they will have a need moving forward. And I, I've been banging the drum all offseason for them to add a pass rusher. Um, they, they did that kind of with Ed Oliver. The def- he's going to rush the passer from the defensive tackle position. But I do think that they will continue looking for defensive end help. There's just not a ton out there right now. Thanks for your question, James, on Facebook.com slash Buffalo Rumblings. Next up, we've got Peter Kitson, who asks, does Derek Anderson belong on the roster or can we promote him to assistant quarterbacks coach? I actually got this question in the Buffalo Rumbling Slack channel from Matt Bynum. Bynum. You might know him better as the Afghan Twilight uh, commenter on buffalorumlings.com, but he's our copy editor at uh, Buffalo Rumlings. And he asked the question in our Slack channel too of, you know, where does Derek Anderson fit on this roster uh, with the signing of Tyree Jackson? Now, that's a reported signing. The Bills haven't officially announced it yet. Uh, they were still working on the details the last time we talked to Brandon Bean, but we fully anticipate that Tyree Jackson is an undrafted free agent quarterback and uh, kind of that developmental prospect that might be know a backup long term or some something like that but you know where with four quarterbacks on the roster one of them is going to have to be cut and you're looking at Derek Anderson like well what does he really bring to the table short term and long term you know they signed him to be that mentor role I think if they can get through this entire offseason with Josh Allen as the number one guy Matt Barkley and Derek Anderson as the backup the veteran backups and Tyree Jackson as that developmental prospect I don't think that anyone's going to have a problem releasing Derek Anderson in August. I mean, they got rid of A.J. McCarron last year as it was just Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen as the quarterbacks going into the regular season. So, I mean, it's a little bit different. McCarron wanted a chance to start and a chance to play, and Anderson is under no such preconceptions. But, you know, he 
I just don't think they need him on the roster as much as other people do. Um, as far as making him a coach, I don't see that as an option right now. Um, you know, an assistant quarterbacks coach is going to make, you know, what, a couple hundred thousand dollars maybe. Whereas Anderson's going to make a minimum million dollars as Buffalo's third quarterback. So it's a pretty significant pay cut. Um, you know, obviously he doesn't have to take care of his body like he would if he was going to be on the roster and playing and everything like that. But I don't know if he's necessarily a whole lot worried about that when he's on the roster either. So I, um, I don't necessarily see it as, you know, a fit long-term. I think it would be just likely that they'd release him, keep Matt Barkley as the veteran backup. If they do get through the entire off season with Anderson on the roster, that's like I said, an entire season off season with Anderson kind of helping Allen get ready during training camp, helping Allen get ready during the preseason. And by the time the final cuts come around at the end of August, maybe he served his purpose um, of helping get Josh Allen ready. Now, obviously he wouldn't be in the, in the room watching tape with him during the season and things like that. But, you know, maybe that is something that would appeal to Anderson, but we've never heard him talk about coaching or anything like that. So I just, it's probably just more likely that they'll cut bait with Anderson and Anderson will go back to the beach or wherever he was last year when the bills called him, you know, a month of the season. Thanks for your question, Peter. Joshua Allen send us, sends us this question on Facebook. Uh, why didn't we draft any receivers? Do you think they didn't think highly of any of them coming out? Or do you think, or do they think highly of what we already have? The Buffalo Bills signed three wide receivers this offseason during the free agency signing period. John Brown, Cole Beasley were their big additions. Andre Roberts is more of a special teamer. But they also added uh, Dakeel Williams from the CFL. I'm not really counting him because he's on a futures contract and he's already washed out of the league once. I just don't necessarily see him as a guy that's going to come in and like, you know, set the world on fire, but we've seen other guys do that. Of course. Uh, I think they're comfortable with the wide receiver corp that they have right now. They were, they wanted to add players in competition and they did that. They've got Zay Jones, who's a former second-round pick, Robert Foster, who flashed a little bit last year, uh, even guys like Isaiah McKenzie, who can come in and be contributors in the passing game just a little bit. I don't think they're they're like you know long-term set at the wide receiver position, but they wanted to shore up the offensive line as their first priority. They wanted to establish a running game as their first priority, and so they spent the picks to do that. They spent their second-round pick on an offensive lineman. They spent their third round pick on a running back. They spent their fourth round pick on a tight end. They're trying to set up that run game. And by the way, I think Dawson Knox has a legitimate chance to be a pass catching threat in year one with the build. He's got great speed. And I just, I, I see him making an impact in the vertical passing game, at least a little bit, even if he's not great, like they can just give him one or two things to do and, you know, go do that. But that's kind of an aside back to the, the wide receiver question. And um, I think they wanted to focus on other things. So to answer your question, I, I, yeah, they didn't value, say, DK Metcalf when he was available still in the third round or whatever it was. But they had other needs on their board, too, the valued ahead of wide receiver. So it's the answer to your question is probably neither. They, they felt okay enough with their wide receiver core. They didn't love any of the wide receivers that were falling to them, and so they decided to pass. 
It's amazing that we've got this far into the podcast this week without talking about Ed Oliver, the number nine overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. I was surprised that he was on the board when the Bills were able to make their pick. Uh, It took the Raiders doing whatever it is the Raiders did and the Giants doing whatever it is the Giants did for Ed Oliver to slip down to the Bills at nine. I was nervous that Buffalo was going to trade up and give away premium assets in day two and day three to take a defensive tackle. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, because then, of course, Oliver fell into their laps and they look like geniuses. But Oliver is the perfect defensive tackle for Sean McDermott's scheme. He's going to create havoc. And if you've been following the podcast, you know that I've been talking him up for the entire offseason draft process, especially since we did the Scheme Fit article on him a few weeks ago that you can go check out at buffalorumblings.com. Along the same line, we haven't talked about Dawson Knox, the old Miss tight end that the Bills picked in the third round. They traded two fourth rounders to get up and get him. He's a prospect I'm actually really, really excited about. I think he has the ability to be, you know, an every down tight end in the NFL level, even though he didn't have a touchdown catch in his entire college career. I think he has receiving ability. He has speed. He's a willing blocker. I think he's really going to develop in the next year or two. And by his third year in the NFL, we'll be looking at Dawson Knox as a legitimate piece of the Buffalo Bills offense, maybe even sooner than that. So he's a guy I'm really excited about them adding. Uh, Later on in the fifth round, beyond the added uh, linebacker, Voshan Joseph, he's a guy that could be able to come in and learn under Lorenzo Alexander, but I don't have huge hopes for any of these guys that were drafted in the fifth round or later. Uh, Miami safety, uh, Jaquan Johnson, North Carolina A&T edge rusher, Daryl Johnson, and Boston College tight end Tommy Sweeney. None of those guys really jump out as guys that I'm super excited about in the short term or the long term. Of course, they could always develop into something down the road, but they're just not guys I'm you know, counting on anytime soon. I'm sure we'll discuss more about the Bills draft picks and their undrafted free agents moving forward. You can, of course, send us your questions on Twitter using the username at rumblings Q and a with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. Give us a phone call. We always love to have the audio on the podcast at 716-508-0405. You can do with all these fine questioners today did, and that's follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buffalo rumblings and send us your questions there in a direct message. You can send us questions on Instagram and we'll do an Instagram only episode at some point this off season too, just to kind of beef that up. Uh, subscribe, tell a friend. We love having new listeners, uh, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Blitzed Bills, Circling the Wagons, and of course, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Send us questions so that we can answer them on next week's podcast as the Bills really make it to uh, Rookie Minicamp and beyond, and we start to see where it's all shaken out. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. More 
to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.